Our second scripture of this reading comes to us from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verses 56 through 69. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors eat, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew who the first who were the ones who did not believe, and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come unless it's granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God end many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. Friends, if you'll remember, in I believe it was around February, I injured myself. I developed a bone spur in my heel. It was very painful. For a couple Sundays, I even had to stay at the pulpit. I couldn't walk. And this put the kibosh on any running. And it's just been in the past month that I've been able to get back to trying to run regularly. And it has not gone well. <laughs> There's been a couple different reasons. One, it's been about a year since I've been able to run regularly between the move and then the winter and then the injury. Thing after thing knocked me out. Second, I'm very cautious because I don't want to inflame the bone spur. And third, because I haven't run in a year, I'm carrying a few extra pounds that I didn't have when I was last running. But I'm still trying to get out there two or three times a week. And it's difficult. Physically, I'm not where I was. But I think more difficult than that is mentally. Mentally, I remember when I, a time when I was knocking out five, minute, or five miles a day as my daily easy run. And I was doing it much faster than I am now. Now I get a mile, maybe a mile and a half in, and I am exhausted. And more days than not, even half a mile, three quarters in, I want to give up. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I walk, and then I'll run a little bit more and walk and run. And I find that once I start walking, going back to running is much more difficult. And some days I push through. But we've all been there. We've all been at a point where we feel like we just cannot go on. When I ran the Chicago Marathon, I realized that that's why they charge so much for races. Because I was 20 miles in and I felt like giving up and I thought, I paid $200 plus a hotel for this. <laughs> I'm going to finish this thing through. But who has never been at a point 
in wanting to give up. Whether it's a project they've started, maybe they wanted to learn to play the guitar or the accordion, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a relationship. But we all reach the point where we just think we can't go on. We want to throw in the towel and quit. And we see the disciples reaching that point in today's reading from the Gospel according to John. Today's reading follows the readings that we've been reading the past few weeks where Jesus declares that he is the bread of life. And as they have, they pick up the last few verses of last week's reading. And Jesus says, My flesh is the bread which you must eat. My blood you must drink if you want eternal life. And it says, Some disciples thought that this was a difficult lesson to her here. And they doubted. And Jesus knew that they doubted. And so he said to them, the words I give are the life that gives your spirit. You must listen to inherit eternal life. The words I offer are from God, the Creator. And some disciples decided it was too hard and they turned around and they walked away. None of the 12 disciples that we're familiar with, but we must remember that Jesus had more disciples than just the 12 inner circle because the 12 remained. But there were some that were following Jesus throughout the land for many months, days, years. And this is the final thing that they just could not accept. This teaching was too difficult for them. And they said, that's it. I'm done. I can't buy in anymore. Last week I told you that I wanted to avoid the text because it was a difficult text, because it seemed redundant, because there was so much to it. I wanted to read the epistle or the psalm or the Old Testament instead. But I stuck with it and wrestled with it. That's because just as the disciples heard a difficult text, there are texts that are going to be difficult for us. If there is nothing in the Bible that challenges you, then you aren't reading closely enough. For some, it might be when Jesus says it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than the rich man to get into heaven. For some, it might be when Jesus tells the rich young ruler to go and sell everything and give his money to the poor, then he can follow Jesus. For some, it might be... God commanding God's people in the Old Testament to commit genocide, to conquer lands, to kill women and children. And if none of those are difficult for you, what about Psalm 137, specifically verse 9? Happy shall be they who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. Now, if that's not difficult for you, we need to have a talk. There are many texts, many lessons that challenge us in Scripture. There are texts that might make us want to throw up our hands and turn away and walk away and say, I cannot do this anymore. I read a wonderful quote this week that said, the, but the evidence of the resurrection of Christ is abundant, but people have trouble believing it for two reasons. One, it's a very unusual event. And two, to believe it requires that you change your life. 
And sometimes we don't want to change our lives. Sometimes we encounter a text that we know will change our life and we would rather turn around and walk away. Just as some of Jesus' disciples did. Or sometimes there's an event in our life that makes us question God. That makes us walk away. Sometimes there's a tragedy that we just can't handle. We want to put the blame on God. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's a diagnosis we didn't want to hear. Maybe it's someone close to us taking their own life. Maybe it's a tragedy like an earthquake or tsunami. But something strikes us and we want to walk away. We want to say that I have had enough. That if that's how God is, I can no longer follow God. If that's the Christ that is the Son of God, no thank you. You guys know that Hannah is the joy of our lives, of Hannah and, or of Heather and Mai's life. She brings so much pleasure to us. And some of you know the incredibly difficult journey we went through to get Hannah. Through years of fertility treatment, through four years of the adoption process, through five adoptions following through, falling through. And I remember there was the second adoption that fell through that devastated me. I received the phone call on a Wednesday, and it was our caseworker saying that the parent, birth parent that had selected us had decided to parent with someone else, someone who they had originally ruled out, and that we would not be getting the little girl that we had been promised, that we would put our hopes and dreams into. And I was crushed. And I was angry with God. And I had friends that said, this is part of God's plan. And I remember thinking, if that's part of God's plan, I want nothing to do with it. Nadia Bowles-Weber once said, it's hard to be a good pastor when you're not a good Christian. And at that point, it was very hard for me to be a good pastor because I had questions, I had doubt, I had hurt, I had pain that I wanted to pin on God. And part of me wanted to walk away. So what do we do when we reach that breaking point? What do we do when we encounter a text or a situation that makes us question God, that makes us question our ability to follow God, to be like Christ? We take solace. We take solace in the disciples I love the disciples. The disciples are almost like the comic foil of the New Testament. They're always messing things up and getting things wrong and misunderstanding Jesus. They are so human and fallible, and I find so much relief that if these 12 people who lived with Jesus day in and day out screw up on occasion, well, it's perfectly okay if I do. But in our first reading today is a reading that's usually read on Easter. It's the resurrection. Christ has risen. And He goes and the twelve disciples gather with Him. But there's one little verse that has always caught my imagination. Verse 17. They go to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus directed them. 
It says, when they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. This is Jesus who they have seen turn water into wine. This is Jesus who they have seen walk on water. This is Jesus who they have seen feed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and then talk about it on and on and on and on as we're learning. This is Jesus who they've seen crucified, who they've seen placed in the grave, and now they are seeing him three days later. And they fall down and they worship him. But still, some doubted. Can you imagine doubting when the resurrected Christ is there before you? When Christ is standing there with the holes in his hands, with the hole in his side from his spear, but you still doubt? But more amazing than that is even though they had their doubts, they worshipped him. Even though they had questions, that they had difficulties, that they weren't sure what was going on, they still worshipped him. And that's where we take our cue. That yes, there are going to be difficult situations. Yes, there are scriptures that challenge us, that we have to wrestle with, that at the end of the day we still aren't sure what to do with or how to follow faithfully. But we still worship Christ. We still follow Christ. We still put our faith that our knowledge, our understanding is limited. But God's is not. The disciples left because that lesson that they must eat Christ's flesh and drink His blood was too much for them. And Jesus turned to the twelve and said, What about you? Are you going to go too? And Simon Peter, who was always the impetuous one, who was always the one who spoke without thinking, was always the one who was putting his foot in his mouth, said, Lord, where else are we to go? You have the answers. You speak the truth. You are God's incarnate Word. And that's where we put our faith. That we will never have all the answers. That life will never be easy, breezy, beautiful, simple. That we will have questions. We will have doubts. But Christ has the answers. Christ speaks the words from heaven. And we might not hear them until the great hereafter, until the church triumphant. But He alone holds the eternal truth. And when you have questions, doubts, struggles, where else are you to go but then to follow that truth? And that truth is God's Word incarnate.
That truth is Jesus Christ. But they worshipped. But some doubted. In the Greek, it's easy to flip the the predicate and, and the subject of a sentence. And this verse could easily be translated, some doubted, but still they worshipped. So when we doubt, when we struggle, when we have questions, we still worship. For where else are we to go? Amen.